Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm Jerry Bunkowski, and welcome to another edition of the Racing Beat Podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. Today's show, we've got a good one for you. If you're an IndyCar fan, you definitely want to listen to this one. We'll be talking with Michael Eubanks, our IndyCar writer for the Racing Beat. He's got a lot of good observations and interesting takes on what's going to happen both in 2021 as well as a reflection back on the 2020 season and how the IndyCar series got through the pandemic. So sit back, enjoy, and we're going to be talking with Michael Eubanks right now. Welcome back to the Racing Beat Podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. We're going to do something a little different today in this week's edition. I'm introducing Michael Eubanks, the uh, gentleman who will be covering IndyCar for us this season. He's already done a great job. He's done a number of team previews. And we're going to try to get a little bit ahead of ourselves and get into IndyCar 2021. I know it's what another three more weeks or so before the season starts, but I think this is a perfect time to talk about the season. And Mike, thanks for joining us. I, pre- I appreciate it. A lot of things happened last year. The The schedule was just, you know, uh, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, it was very difficult for IndyCar to, to put together a, a, a schedule, but they did. They got a champion. They crowned a champion. Um, let's, let's review back on last season. I mean, how difficult was it? I mean, I know you, you obviously cover IndyCar, I cover NHRA, uh, very similar uh, instances with both those sanctioning bodies because a number of races had to be moved, uh, some tracks had to actually have more than one race, uh, for example in Indianapolis, instead of one race a year in the NHRA, they had four races in uh, kind of the same situation with IndyCar. Kind of, let's let's tar- talk about what the 2020 season wound up being and all the challenges that the the teams and the sanctioning body had to to endure yeah well first thanks for having me jerry and uh absolutely um you know 2020 was uh a interesting year to say the least for all of us um and especially for indycar um obviously it was a little shorter of a season uh down by three races but you know, they managed to pull through, had a lot of doubleheader weekends, uh, had a few races that didn't even have fans, um, including the Indy 500. Uh, but, uh, you know, luckily they have somebody smart like Roger Penske at the helm and uh, he, him and the entire IndyCar crew just, you know, did their best. And uh, we ended up having a great season and uh, a great champion in Scott Dixon. How difficult was it for the sport as a whole that we didn't have the Indy 500? I mean, I understand why we didn't have it on the Memorial Day weekend, like, like it's traditional, because the you know the state of Indiana was still fairly shut down and they couldn't have the race that weekend. But was did it kind of how did the impact of having the race in August, uh, you know, impact its tradition, its history, or did it have any impact at all? Well, I mean, certainly as a viewer, it uh, felt different. Uh, first, just in Memorial Day weekend, not having anything to do, uh, not hearing back home in Indiana. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they, they certainly tried their best. But, uh, it, you know, when you're watching a race on TV with empty stands, it's quite odd, especially at a different time of the year. 
I mean, at the same time, it, it, it's still 500 miles at the Brickyard. Um, you know, uh, it's still the greatest spectacle in racing. Uh, you know, I mean, it, even though it felt different, they still did all the pre-race ceremonies. Uh, they still had an amazing race um, and a very deserving champion in Takuma Sado. So, yeah, although it, it, it will definitely probably remain one of the most interesting Indy 500s in history. Um, as for the actual on-track action itself, no, I don't think that was diminished. What about the way 2020 played out? Um, is there anything in your estimation, you've been covering IndyCar now for a few years, uh, anything that they could have done differently or did they do the best they could given the, cir- excuse me, given the circumstances? I certainly think they did the best they can. Um, I mean, you know, certain races, I know they tried to salvage as much of the uh, schedule as they could, but I mean, you know, it, you know, certain states, if they're just not going to allow you to have an event or uh, have an event without spectators, I mean, what much, you know, how much can you do? NASCAR is in a position with their television contract where they can basically race anywhere with, uh, you know, anybody in attendance, whether that, you know, be a huge crowd or nobody. But, you know, IndyCar promoters, they earn their money from the concessions and the tickets. So, um, you know, that's unfortunate, but uh, we we still had a great season. Uh, I certainly think they did the best. I mean, we we still had 20-something fully funded cars, uh, you know, uh, very talented drivers. Um, You know, all the sponsors stuck with the teams. you know, compared to a lot of businesses, I, I really think uh, motorsports and IndyCar in particular uh, have fared the pandemic fairly well so far. Exactly. Let's talk about 2021. I mean, it's going to be a quote unquote more regular or more routine year, hopefully, uh, although the first race already was postponed. St. Petersburg, which is supposed to be start the season, has been postponed. And they also pushed back the first, uh, you know, the first rescheduled race excuse me got pushed back a week that's uh, down in barber down in alabama um where where, i mean how do you kind of envision this schedule going well i mean do you think that we're going to see more changes or do you think that with all the people getting inoculations and and or the vaccine rather uh that we will pretty much have the same schedule play out the way it is scheduled right now other than saint petersburg being moved well, you know, that's a really good question, Jerry. And uh, I've got to tell you, to be honest, uh, my view on that has uh, changed a lot since we last talked. Uh, obviously, you know, the vaccine rollout uh, is, you know, they're kicking into high gear and more people are getting vaccinated. Uh, states are loosening their regulations. So, I mean, aside from Toronto with the border, uh, I really think every other race uh, on the schedule is going to happen. Uh, and with fans. So that's good news. Uh, I mean, we might see dates switch around a little bit. Uh, I know, obviously, with St. Pete moving back, they wanted to do it so they could have a larger crowd. Uh, Barber obviously shifted its date so they could be on national television as opposed to cable. So you might see a little things like that. But uh, for the most part, I, I think we're going to have a full schedule. What do you think was the biggest um 
lesson that the teams themselves learned. I mean, to me, the one word that sticks in my mind is adaptability. The teams have to be adaptable, you know, to all the changes. They have to make changes on the fly. They have to make changes on the preparations of cars on the fly. Uh, talk about about the you know how the teams adapted to all the changes they had to in, endure last year. Yeah, I mean they. Uh... They definitely had some wrenches thrown at them, but uh, luckily they dodged all of them, you know, just with regulations. I mean, you know, IndyCar teams are businesses too. So, you know, they had limits on, you know, social distancing. I'm sure, you know, uh, rules on how many people could be there and mass usage, things like that. And then also, you know, they had races that they most likely prepared for. They ended up not having or, you know, with double headers, they had more races to prepare for at different tracks. Um, I mean, even certain drivers, they, uh, you know, they didn't have the exact schedule that they'd planned. Um, perfect example was uh, Sebastian Bourdais. You know, he was only scheduled to run four races in 2020, but uh, I know three of them were uh, Long Beach, Laguna, and Portland, and all three of those didn't happen. So, uh, his small little schedule got even smaller last year. And then, you know, drivers like Max Chilton, who only run ovals that, you know, cha- or, excuse me, only run road courses, that changed their schedule a little bit. But uh, I think all in all, uh, at least uh, in my opinion, everybody seemed to manage the changes very well. I'm, we're all in this together. Uh, we exactly. really don't have any choice. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> What about, you know, I, I want to talk to you a little bit more about the specifics in terms of uh, some drivers have changed teams. Uh, you know, wh- what does the, the lineup look like this year? I mean, uh, there's been some changes. Uh, one of the biggest names that's not going to be on the scene, which I'm, I'm still surprised about, Marco Andretti. He's only going to be running the Indy 500. He's going to be doing more on the, uh, the IMSA side, and he's also going to be in the uh, Superstar Racing Experience, the, the new uh, series that Tony Stewart and Ray Evernham have. Tell me about, you know, the, the changes in terms of the drivers this year and, and teams and that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, I can tell you that the starting grid's going to look a little different. Uh, we got some old names coming back. We got some new names. Uh, we got some drivers moving teams. Uh, obviously, you know, I mentioned Sebastian Bourdais uh, previously. He's back to full-time status, driving the number 14 for AJ Foyt Racing. Uh, you know, Elio Castroneves, he's going to be back in an IndyCar for six races with Mar Shank Racing. Um, and then, you know, Felix Rosenquist moving to McLaren. James Hinchcliffe back in full-time status, back with Andretti. Uh, Alex Pelot moving to Ganassi. But, uh, I mean, obviously the three drivers we really need to talk about are Jimmy Johnson, Scott McLaughlin, and Roman Grosjean. Uh, IndyCar is really a superstar series now. Uh, I didn't expect overnight uh, us to have a seven-time NASCAR champion, a multi-time Supercars champion, and a 10-year Formula One veteran. Um, I'm pretty excited for this lineup this year. Well, there's also one other name that we, we haven't talked about. is uh, He's coming back to the Indy 500 for the first time since 2017. That's Juan Pablo Montoya. And you that's know, right. I just did a piece on him for NASCAR.com. And, you know, Juan, uh, you know, I've known him for quite some time. And he's a really, uh, he's looking forward to getting back into the IndyCar realm. I mean, he's, he's keeping busy with the uh, 
World Endurance Championship. He's doing, I think, seven races in there. He's got, you know, doing a number of, I think he's doing, I think, three or four IMSA races. And then we've got the Indy 500, the big one. He's a two-time winner of that race. Would love to become one of the few people that's won it three times. And, you know, I think that um, with with uh, the, the situation he's involved in, I think that he could be a dark horse. I mean, you know, a lot of people thought that maybe we would see Fernando Alonso, and he is not going to be racing this year. But I think Montoya could be a big dark horse, in my opinion, in the Indy 500. Yeah, absolutely. And he's got two uh, great teammates in uh, Rosenquist and Patricio Ward. Uh, but another name uh, we haven't mentioned, Tony Kanaan. You yes. know, a lot of people thought last year was going to be his final year in IndyCar. Well, he's back, and he's back with Chip Ganassi racing. Couldn't think of a better team for him to be with. You know, the, the one thing that you, you touched on a moment ago is the names. I mean, with Jimmy Johnson and everybody else that's, you know, Montoya, etc. This is really going to put IndyCar, um, you know, not, they're already on the map, but I'm, I think this is going to take them to the next level with those kind of names. I'm really curious to see how Jimmy Johnson's going to do, <clears throat> excuse me, but at the same time, you know, this is not, I, I, I don't want to say this is a surprise year when you have a guy like Johnson. I think more than anything, this is going to be a very pivotal year because if other drivers from other series see what Jimmy does, especially NASCAR drivers, I think we're going to see maybe more NASCAR drivers or maybe some guys from F1 or the WEC or whatever may want to come over to IndyCar and at least race some races in 2022 and beyond. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, IndyCar really, truly is becoming a superstar series. I don't want to say it's exactly, you know, at the level that it was in the uh, 90s, you know, when Nigel Mansell came over after winning an F1 championship, but uh, this field is certainly going to be the most stacked uh, in quite a long time. Uh, but you are absolutely right about uh, other drivers, you know, looking to their peers and seeing how much fun they're having in IndyCar. And I really think that started with uh, Fernando Alonso attempting the Indy 500. And, you know, now McLaren's in this series. Uh, I know Lando Norris has expressed interest in racing in IndyCar at some point. Uh you know, you look at other NASCAR drivers possibly uh, looking to, you know, at least maybe do the Indy 500 or something. You know, Kurt Busch did the double a few years back. So, yeah, I think IndyCar is finally earning uh, the respect it deserves. Yeah, I mean, when you look at uh, drivers like Jimmy Johnson in entering IndyCar, um, it, it just really shows that it truly is a superstar series. Um, I don't really think the series is at the level it was, you know, back in the 90s when Nigel Mansell came over after winning a F1 championship. But I mean, that's a pretty high standard to set as it is. But no, the, the field is definitely uh, the most stacked. It's been in a very long time. Uh, and I, it's, you know, thank, thanks in part to guys like Jimmy Johnson taking interest in it. And, uh, you know, also looking back at guys like Kurt Busch running the double or Fernando Alonso, uh, you know, running the Indy 500 a few times in the past years, their peers in their respective series, you know, they take a look at that. They see them having fun. They learn more about the series. And I think that kind of gets the ball rolling uh, for other drivers that uh, say, Hey, you know what? I kind of want to do this. Uh, you look at uh, Lando Norris, you know, last year participating in the iRacing Challenge, uh, he said that he wants to give the Indy 500 a try at some point. 
and obviously uh, with McLaren in the series, that's a, that's a possibility in the future. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that IndyCar is finally getting the attention and the respect it deserves. And I, I just can't wait to see this amazing series. You know, and I don't mean this in a derogatory fashion against F1, but you know, obviously they had to endure a very rough season just like everybody else last year because of the pandemic. But I, I, I get the sense, and maybe I'm wrong on this. I want to get your take on this. I get the sense that IndyCar has become even more of an option for F1 drivers or you know people who aspire to be into F1. Um, when I talked to Juan Pablo Montoya, he was talking about his son Sebastian, who's in Formula 4 this year in, in, uh, for the second year in a row in Europe, and he his goal is to make it to F1, but if he can't make it there, he wants to go to IndyCar. And I think that you're seeing a lot of other drivers, you mentioned about like Kurt Busch, I know Kyle Busch has talked about maybe doing the Indy 500 as well, and some other drivers. Um, do you think that maybe IndyCar is in a place right now where it could really uh, improve its standing in the world, if you will, and maybe take away some fans from F1, particularly here in the U.S., uh, because of some of the big-name drivers that are coming over to this series. You know, Alonzo's been here a couple of times, obviously, already, although he's back in F1. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, like we said, uh, Grosjean, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, do you think F1 may wind up going down while IndyCar may be going up? Uh, in a way, yes. I mean, <clears throat> F1 is still, obviously, the premier motorsport series in the world, and I don't see that changing, you know, in the future, but, uh, you know, IndyCar is so much more affordable and so much more competitive than F1 that I think we already are seeing uh, drivers give it a shot. Uh, obviously, a lot of open wheel drivers, especially drivers from, you know, Europe and South America. I mean, it's no secret F1 is their goal, but you know, if they don't have the funding or, you know, the connections, because F1 is very political, as we all know, uh, that and dream might not... And very, that? and very expensive, too. Oh, very, very expensive. But, uh, you know, it, if they don't see that realistically happening, I mean, IndyCar is certainly an option. Uh, it It's very similar to F1. I mean, it's primarily a road and street course series now, but uh, I mean, the costs are so much, so much cheaper. And uh, I mean, the, the action is, uh, I mean, it, it's unbeatable. Almost every team on the grid can win. And clearly that isn't the case with F1. Let's, I mean, uh, just look at uh, Alexander Rossi, you know, uh, when he first uh, came to the States, I mean, I personally find like, you know, this guy is going to do all right. He's with Andretti. And once once he uh, finds success here, uh, some F1 team is going to pick him up and he's going back there. Um, and when I was actually at the Indy 500, I thought, oh, this is great. You know, uh, it'll be nice seeing this guy, but he's probably headed back to Europe. Obviously, that's not the case. And uh, Rossi has publicly said that uh, he doesn't regret his decision to go to IndyCar. Exactly. Let's took, let's look at uh, this year. Let's let's hand, do a little handicapping. The top three drivers. Who do you think is going to finish one, two, three this year? Well, I mean, it's really hard to not place all your money on Scott Dixon. 
I mean, he has proven time and time again he has what it takes to win the championship. And uh, despite, uh, you know, despite his age, he uh, still seems to be driving like he's in his 20s. Uh, so I think he's a favorite. Uh, I definitely think Newgarden's going to be up there. And uh, you know what? I think uh, Alexander Rossi is a driver who didn't really have a good season last year. So I, I think he's pretty determined to uh, make the most of 2021. I'm going to say those are going to be the top three in the standings. Now, Rossi, you know, he's, he's an excellent driver. Don't get me wrong. But it just seems that when it's the most vital time, something happens, you know, either a, 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 an accident, a mechanical failure, whatever. I mean, obviously he won the 2016 Indy 500 as a rookie, but at the same time, uh, you know, he's come close to winning the championship, just hasn't done it. And it's almost been like he's had bad luck, you know, in that those championship quests. How does he break that bad luck? I mean, is there a way that, I mean, anything he can do or his team can do to snap the, the bad run of luck, the run of bad luck that they've had? Well, that's a great question. Um, obviously, yeah, I do think uh, part of it is him having bad luck. Um, it happens to a lot of drivers. Uh, one perfect example is Will Power. I mean, look how long it took for him to win his first and so far only championship. Uh, but Rossi clearly has a talent and, uh, you know, he's with one of the best teams in the series and he has very talented teammates. So I think, uh, you know, one, he's got all the puzzle pieces, and I just feel like once they can finally put them together, I think he can win. Um, I mean, just look back at 2019. He only won twice, but when he won uh, at Long Beach and Road America, he just stomped the field. It was him and everyone else. Uh, if he can have more races like that, uh, I think he can be unstoppable. Very good point. Very good point. Mike, we're going to wrap things up here. Uh, anything we haven't talked about that you thought you know that you know, was on your list of things we should uh, discuss in today today's podcast? Well, I mean, I just want to go over the schedule for IndyCar this year. Sure. Um, I honestly think it's a pretty good schedule, um, despite obviously losing a few events due to the pandemic and other reasons. Um, I mean, a you got this brand new race in Nashville, which. Uh, from what I've seen, looks like it's going to be a very successful event and uh, will be on the schedule for quite a long time. I mean, you know, you got Justin Timberlake and Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, as investors in this thing. I, I mean, what more could you ask for uh, in a celebrity <laughs> endorsement? Uh, and then also, this is probably an event that's under the fans' radar, just because I know in the past this venue hasn't... Uh, produce the most exciting events, but I am personally really excited for the August race uh, at the IMS road course. Um, it's for the second time in history, NASCAR and IndyCar are going to be sharing the same track on the same weekend, and this time fans are going to be able to come, so that's uh, definitely something that I am circling on my list and uh, hope I can witness in person. And then, exactly. of course, the 105th running of the Indy 500. How can you not be excited for that? Exactly. It's just, uh, it's going to be an amazing season and I can't wait to uh, cover it. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, like I said, this is going to be more of a normal season, more of a routine season. And I don't mean routine in a bad way. I mean, it's more, we're, we're going to be 
seeing things we've been used to seeing that we didn't see last year because of the pandemic. So knock on wood, it's going to be a good season. And I uh, want to say thanks to you for taking the time here today. We're going to do these every several, you know, a few few to several weeks, you know, just kind of checking in with the IndyCar series. I mean, I know you do a really good job covering that. And, uh, you know, I know we've got a lot of readers that, uh, and, and listeners that uh, really enjoy the IndyCar series. So, you know, I'm glad to have you on the team and looking forward to a, a great season. And uh, it all starts here in a few weeks down at Barber in, in, uh, in near, right near Birmingham. Yep. And uh, thank you so much for uh, having me, Jerry. It's always a pleasure to be on. And uh, just can't wait for this uh, season to finally kick off. All right. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Racing Beat Podcast. Thanks to Michael Eubanks for joining us today and giving us the rundown on the 2021 IndyCar season that starts here in a couple of weeks. I'm Jerry Bunkowski, and we'll catch you next time right here on The Racing Beat. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.